2: Welcome to the Thursday Show. That means it is the Date Day Edition. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about life, questions about church, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630 630- 5757 you can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvary uh or you can use our free calvary chapel of san antonio mobile app and as always uh, if you're in driving in your car the safest way to call is to use the free kslr mobile app hit the call now band at the top of the screen everything else will be hands free you'll be connected directly to our studio producer welcome to the show paula thank you why are you smiling did i say something funny
3: no, I, I'm smiling because I was just looking into your blue eyes. Oh, stop. Is that good? No. That was a good one, right? Yeah, but you're not supposed to lie. We're in church. Oh, well, I'm not supposed to lie at all. So I'm looking into your blue eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've
2: got some things you want to talk about today, but uh, let's take a question that was sent in just now okay. first because it's for both of us, and then we'll get into all of the stuff that you have um, ready for us. Here is a question from Karen from our email inbox. Hi, Pastor Ron and Paula. I read this morning a woman blames priest for ruining her marriage after he told her husband she confessed to cheating. In this article, the wife says that their marriage was tumultuous and that she had a one-night stand three years ago at a work function. However, during COVID, they reconciled, and she felt convicted and told her priest. The priest then told the husband because the wife would not tell him about the adulterous affair. In some states, priests can be prosecuted if they relay confidential information to anyone, including the spouse. That leads me to ask you and Paula... If someone cheats on their spouse, are you required to tell the spouse? As overseers and leaders of the church, are you mandated to tell the other spouse anything that can affect the marriage? What does the Bible say about these kinds of things? Great question, Karen, but I'd like to disassociate it, Paula, from the first part of it. Because the professing, uh, confessing to a Catholic priest and the silliness that goes on in the in the Catholic church... Um, None of that is biblical, Mm -hmm. and as I understand it, the confessional is sacred and nothing is supposed to um, uh, be communicated. Um, um, I've seen situations where even murders that were confessed, the priest wouldn't tell because that would be a violation of the sanctity of the confessional. Um, The problem here is that you said she she felt convicted, uh, and so she went to her priest. Uh, She was really convicted. She would have told her husband. Mm. <laughs> That's what conviction does. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to make the right, the, the wrong right. Mm-hmm. Now, as it relates to us, uh, you know, I think, Paula, people think that when somebody tells you something or they tell me something, we immediately tell the other person, talk about it at all. We don't do that. Um, you know, uh, I hold what people say to me and so do you um, at a place where I'm simply not going to share it with anyone, even you. And the only exception to that would be if somebody was in danger, if they were in danger of hurting someone else, or if there was a crime that was being committed that somebody could be hurt, mm-hmm. or if the person, maybe they were in danger of, or I thought they were in danger of taking their life, then um, th- then we, we'd talk about it and we, we'd find a remedy for it. But Karen uh we're not um mandated at all to tell the other spouse anything, but I think Paula you and i we talked about this just for a minute before mm-hmm. uh we'd both do the very same thing we'd tell the the cheater the mm-hmm. the the one guilty of the affair that if she's really repentant, then she'll first confess to God and then she'll go make it right, mm-hmm. no matter what the cost might be mm-hmm. and see, it's one of the ways that we trust the Lord. you've gotta convince. Uh, our job would be to convince him, go make things right. Mm-hmm. How can you build a marriage from this point forward on a lie? Mm-hmm. So if you've done this thing, then you need to make it right, asking for forgiveness. And the question usually comes up, well, what if he or what if she won't forgive me and then my marriage will be over? Well, that's one of the places we 're got to learn to trust God. Yeah. And if we're really repentant, um, that's, that's the first account we have to settle. What David said, uh, uh, Father against thee and D the only mm-hmm. have I mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. And that's the first place we've got to go. And then we need to let the Holy Spirit um, direct the next step.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Philemon, the runaway slave kind of a thing, and he got saved, you know. But she is talking about a nonbeliever. She's talking about a non-believer going to her priest and confessing this. You know, as a Christian, we know better and we're supposed to be better and do better. But this is what she's been uh, told her whole life. And so it's it's secret and it's supposed to be secret with the priest. Mm -hmm. With God, he sees everything. He already knows. He knew this affair was going to take place before it even happened. And if she had been... Uh, a born again Christian, the Holy Spirit would have lived in her saying, don't do it. Don't go there. Don't do it. And when you do, then we have, um, first John one nine, you know, Lord, I'm so sorry. You confess to the Lord. And then, like you say, we go and make it right with the other person. So yeah, we're not mandated, but I would probably, cause I know me, I would probably say, did you tell him yet? Cause you need to get that done. Did you tell him yet? You need to go to him, you yeah. know. A-
2: and and we've actually been in situations like this where we have told the person con- making the confession that if you would like, I'll be there with you. Yes, and and um, you know um, it, it's a scary thing, but it's the only way to really rebuild a marriage. And yeah. again, discounting the first part of this because that's not really dealing with born again believers. Mm-hmm. But but the true born again believer at some point has to trust the Lord. Yeah. I like that you brought up Philemon because when Onesimus ran away. Um, and got radically saved under Paul's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, "Now you got to go back to yeah, him. Yeah. and it could have cost him his life, his life yeah. and um, and God of course had it worked out. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's it's a simple matter of uh, let's get right with the people that we've offended mm-hmm. and and we'll just take the chance and And the reality is if the person doesn't forgive you, um, you kind of deserve that. But you can still rebuild your life with Christ because you've done the right thing. You, you, you've established that foundation. Lord, I'm going to serve you. Yes. And this is a sin against you, Lord. More than a sin even against my yep. husband. David and Bessie. Using this like example. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a sin against you. Yeah. And what I'm going to do to get out of this mess that I've made is I'm going to fall on your mercy. Yeah. And that's what we would do in a counseling session. We would pray that that the, the the one who is sharing what they've done uh would would uh, rely on the lord's mercy we pray oh merciful god prepare the other person's heart mm-hmm. and um and for your glory reestablish this. but karen we are not required at all to tell the spouse and we simply would not do that. Yeah. Now, uh, I know us well enough to know that what we would do if that person came to us and we told them, this is what you need. Do you need to go and confess this to your spouse? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably every other time I'd see this person that's for what the I'm next saying. couple mm-hmm. of weeks, we'd say, mm-hmm. so have you done it yet? Yeah. Do you need me to go with you? Yeah. Because what we need to do is encourage a godly response to sin, mm-hmm. and that's the only way it can do it. But, but um Generally, it's true that when somebody comes to us, they need to be able to come to us uh, and, and rely on our confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are things that I deal with a lot that you never know about. And I'm sure there are things that you deal with a yep. lot that I never know about. Yeah. And for people to think that we just automatically tell each other about those things, it isn't true. Mm-hmm. They're just uh, our oneness. Uh, doesn't relieve of relieve us of our responsibility to to keep confidences. Yeah. So I hope that helps you. Have anything you want to add?
3: Nope. Mm-mm. Okay.
2: Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions today. If you have anything you want to share with Paul, I know Paula's got something on her heart today. So Paula, why don't you get started?
3: I wrote a whole bunch of stuff this time, Pastor Ron. Last last week I wasn't really, you know, maybe I will, well anyway. <laughs> um, we're having two services on this Sunday for the people who don't come here regularly. And then for those who do that, maybe they didn't hear the announcements because I was, you know, talking to everybody, you know, making sure I got to see the new people and take the pictures and them to Calvary Chapel San Antonio. Um, service on this Sunday, Christmas Day and New Year's Day uh, at 9 and 11. Usually we have them 8.30 10.15 and 11.59, three Sunday morning services. Oh, But this, these next two Sundays, 9 and 11. And so um, everybody, get in your car and come. You know, it's going to be a sweet family well, time. Well, if
2: everybody comes, we're going to have to put the third service back.
3: <laughs> oh, well, okay, maybe we'll do yeah. 9.11 and... Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, but I was thinking about Christmas traditions, you know, I used to have some Christmas traditions, and, and life changes. And so my my number one, well, I have two. One, I, I we take our picture at church. This oh, yeah. this year only two services, so that means I don't know how many kisses you're going to give me because it seemed like when people would take our picture, you always would kiss me. So that's a good tradition that you started that one. <laughs> I
2: forgot all about that. The, the, it's so different with Christmas being on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I do it on the Sunday before Christmas. Yeah.
3: It's when we do the Christmas. Because Christmas is during the week. Yeah. And not on Sunday. Yeah. But this year, it's on Sunday. Okay. So, so that's our Christmas card. That's our Christmas card. Okay. Get your lips in shape, Pastor Because <laughs> coming down to two services, there's going to be a lot more people taking up pictures. Of. And you know, I count. <laughs> I don't know if you've, I think you made them up 250 or more that you hadn't during the year. So that's my, that's my Christmas tradition. And then the other one is when people give me Christmas cards, they know those who have been coming here for any length of time that I don't just want, you know, oh, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. No, is there a picture of your family on here? And if they say no, I just usually give the card back to them. Not, and then I take it back. I'll say, well, thank you very much. But next year? Take your picture because I put it on the prayer wall and I show them a picture of our prayer wall because I have them in my purse on my phone so that they, you know, and then who doesn't want prayer from Pastor Ron, you know, so give me a picture. So I've been collecting the pictures and then after the new year, what I do is I, I cut and keep the biggest picture and put it on the prayer wall.
2: So Yeah, the small the new style of Christmas cards with a whole bunch of little pictures.
3: I, I can't even uh, see who I these know. people are. Paula, know. You know? So. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody we love, but mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. You so. you used to ask me to come into the yeah. office. Who's this? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just can't see anymore, yeah. so you know.
3: So a three by five, round that two by four, something like that, uh inches, not feet. <laughs> You're not that bad. <laughs> um, is best. So that's what that's my Christmas tradition, and then we've adopted you know a couple of people into our family who don't have parents, and so I mean, we're we're grandma, grandpa to so many people. So we have a couple of people that just we we go out to breakfast and go to a movie. But this year we have two services, and so we'll probably just go get something to eat, and then by then grandma, grandpa ready for a nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of our. Yeah, traditions. actually, we,
2: we want to go to movie, but there was there's just nothing we can watch. Yeah. They're all kind of new agey or yeah. nasty stuff and yeah. ugly language. So yeah. there's just really nothing in the in the theaters that we can watch. I know,
3: so sad. This is the world we live in. Okay, so let me see what else. Um, and then I kind of wanted to talk about. Uh, oh no, here's one more thing before we go there. Christmas, you know, Jesus came into the world. He was born a baby. He came into the world to save us from our sins. And so as I'm thinking about that, you know, a lot of us have family members that we are so very much estranged from. Not that they live in different cities, but, you know, like Jacob and Esau, you know, they had done evil to one another. And so they've been apart for a very, very long time. It's time for one at least one, but maybe both of the people to forgive and, you know, make things right. Um, this year, a lot of people we know passed away, and um, those who are left behind, did they make it right? Because if they didn't, that's, gonna, that's sad. So Christmas um, is a good time. You know, the th- theme, the theme of,
2: of our New Testament is reconciliation. Yeah. And uh, we, we who are real Christians... Ought to be the chief reconcilers regardless of how somebody responds yeah. uh, it's up to us to, to make every effort to reconcile with people so that nobody has anything against us and we're not holding anything against other people so mm-hmm. what we're, we're actually this um this christmas can do some baby dedications I know. uh in I both services so cool. um sort of group dedications um i just thought You know, since we're celebrating Jesus' birth, it would be a great time to to dedicate some of the babies, not just babies, but some of the younger kids as well. Mm -hmm. So in both of the services, we're going to take a little bit of time to bring the kids up and their parents, and uh, we'll just pray for them and dedicate them to the Lord um, just because Jesus was a baby that day. Yeah.
3: How, I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, because we've never done that. Mm -hmm. It didn't even enter your mind, right? No. Mm -hmm. Like that one time when you were having a, Men's retreat, and I thought, I didn't think it. It just popped in my mouth. Ma- Why have I never invited our two sons to come to one of the men's retreats? I know they're not saved, but that's the whole point. Invite them, maybe they'll get saved. It just happened. Mm-hmm. So I understand. So the word put that, how cool is that? I think that's amazing. And somebody came up to me who just recently had a baby and said, what a great idea. I haven't dedicated my other kids. You think it's okay? So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think Jesus would be really really pleased, and from mm-hmm. one baby to another, mm-hmm. um, you know, just uh, gives us a, a sense of of um, what this baby accomplished in in his life mm-hmm. uh, before he went to heaven.
3: Yeah, and and the fact that when you do the dedication, you're saying to not only the parents but the church as well and their grandparents and whoever um, that it's our responsibility to. Set the example and lead these kids to Jesus. And to be there for them. hmm. Mm hmm. And just, you know, I'm not comparing them to Jesus, but, you know, he was dedicated at the temple and look how he turned out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty
2: yeah. significant hill to climb right there, Paul.
3: Yeah, but if we set the example, like you were saying last night, um, Jotham had a, a great godly example in King Uzziah, Azariah, you know, whatever his name is. He's, it was both. It was both. Um, if we would just set the godly example, um, more people would be won over. You know, uh, we have the kids here that come to <clears throat> the academy, and some of them come from broken homes or single-parent homes. Um, and those who have, in particular, um, Not that moms aren't the greatest of parents, not that at all, but they get to witness the godly man teachers here. And so those kids can actually see what a godly man is like um, and how they love their wives. That gives their single mom and them a picture of what it's really supposed to look like. And I think it gives them great hope. And the example of love that they see in action um, is very impressive. Yeah. You
2: know, Paul, you just reminded me, and that's twenty-five years ago. But but you and I did. Uh, I was asked to go do a father-daughter. uh oh, yeah. um, meeting, it was a banquet. Ban- a banquet, but, mm-hmm. but 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 a meeting mm-hmm. um, in Austin, and um, um, I, I remember how quiet it got. When I told the fathers in that room, I said, the most important thing you can do for your daughter is to cherish her mother. Yeah. That's the most important thing you can do. And things get really, really quiet. And when I didn't think it could get any quieter, I said, dads, you need to be aware that your daughters right now are in the process of picking a man for their lives, either a man specifically or the type of man, if they're younger, based on who you are and how you treat their mother. Yeah. How would you feel if your daughter came home and said, Daddy, I found a a boy just like you. Mm -hmm. How would you feel based on how you treat your wife? Mm -hmm. And boy, it got so quiet in that place. It was just...
3: You were standing in the front and teaching. I was sitting in another booth by myself waiting for you to be finished because it was at a restaurant. And I'm looking around the room because those daughters were from the age of maybe six... To fifty ish, yeah. and in some, I could see, oh yeah, daddy, I want to go just like you, and, and that was a good thing. But then I saw other where the the woman was crying, mm-hmm. and the the father is kind of like, I'm sorry, you yeah. know, yeah, because it was kind of like, okay, I'll go to this thing with you, you know.
2: That's why I don't get invited back.
3: <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> and it just it was it was a good time, and I. I course you always do an altar call um but not that they had to get up or anything but um yeah you could you could see joy and pain in this in the room at the same time i was like oh my goodness but yeah it was very quiet yeah and, and paul we're
2: inside five minutes so we'll we'll carry the other subject over to okay. the other side of the break but um you know one of the one of the unfortunate a misunderstanding that so many parents have now is my job is to raise my kids, get them to graduation, and get them out of the house. That's not our job. Our mm-hmm. job is to train them in the ways of the Lord, mm-hmm. to, to 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 example a Jesus who is loves them unconditionally, um, but to rightly represent the Lord. And so often, you know, I run into parents who'll say, well, well I take him to church, so it's not my fault. No, what happens in your home is infinitely more important than what happens in the hour Mm -hmm. and a half that we have them here at church. And, you know, it's not like you can act any way you want during the week and then an hour and a half on Sunday is going to fix them uh, because the responsibility of the adults Mm -hmm. is to genuinely represent Jesus. And, uh, you know, if we say Jesus with our lips but our lives say something else— Uh, The the result is going to be a lot of really frustrated kids not really understanding anything other than, well, my parents are hypocrites. Who wants their Jesus? So our job is to show them who Jesus is. Now, I'm passionate about this, Paula, because uh, I didn't do this with my boys. My boys were 16 and 18 when I got saved. And uh, I never got the opportunity. Now, I've tried to make up for it as best I could. But um you never get that time back. Mm-mm. And uh I even even now with my near fifty and near forty eight year old sons, um um I can I can see behaviors that were formed because of the way I raised them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's embarrassing and it's shameful. Now I'm not I don't do guilt. I, you know God's forgiven me and mm-hmm. and I've walked with the Lord now for a long time. But um, you don't get the time back. Is mm-hmm. my point. Yeah. And we need to cherish every minute that we have with our kids because as you and I learned, um, they grow up and they leave, and it happens really fast. Yes, it does.
3: Yeah. And our, you know, you. I think you probably tried to do the best you could. I mean, you know, people are the way they are for a reason. Your dad wasn't a good dad. My mom wasn't a good mom. My dad died early. Your mom just did the best she could. Um, but we just didn't know. We, none, of us, none of us were saved. And now we are, and we get to lead them and hopefully, you know, our grandchildren in a better way.
2: I just wish there were more desperation um, uh, among christian parents i 'm talking about genuinely born again parents yeah. um, to make Jesus the focus of their homes uh, every day yeah. all day long yeah. um, because then, like jotham last night you 're giving your kids a chance mm-hmm. uh, to do the right thing, and Jotham turned out to be a giant of a of a king and 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 a man who loved God and did so much good for the lord mm-hmm. um, and we want that's what we want we want kids to raise kids. It's kind of the motto at our school too we're not We're not raising kids to go to college, although they most of them go um, We're raising them to love Jesus and we're raising them to 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 listen to the Lord to find out what his will for their life is mm-hmm. and I'd be happier if one of these kids would say, "Well, you know God's going to send me out in the mission field rather than going to Harvard." I mean, I'd be thrilled with that. Mm -hmm. Or, Well, this is what God wants me. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm Mm -hmm. called to be a missionary. I'm called to serve in church. I'm called to teach or whatever the thing is that that, that they're called to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And and knowing that we've raised kids to answer the call of God is... not only wonderful but it is the most awesome responsibility we have as well yeah i agree hey we've got 30 minutes left in wow. the program if you have questions or calls 340 i know paula is going to talk about holiday blues on the other side of the break 340 this is the date day edition of the word to center for life we'll be back in two minutes
1: To the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free kslr Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the second half of our Thursday show, the Date Day Edition, Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Paul, this is an important topic, and yes. maybe we should have crammed it into the whole hour but mm-hmm. um, and I know it's been in your heart because this is a time of year where we get so many people not one or two but I mean lots and lots of people who are really struggling with the, the Christmas blues mm-hmm. and and um, barely making it they hate the thought of Christmas and mm-hmm. just because they know every year they're going to deal with this so mm-hmm. why don't you share your heart
3: yeah um, you know many years ago Ron. In fact, it was still happening to me when we first got here to San Antonio because, you know, our kids, our family was still in California and we were here. And I was I was I would get the blues around October because the holiday season's coming and everybody else, it, you know, that's what you think. Everybody else has it going on. And and it's just me. You know, I don't have my family here my dad passed away. Um, my kids aren't coming for Christmas. I'm allergic to the Christmas tree, you know. So <laughs> I'm poor. <laughs> yeah, that, that bummed me out, not <laughs> you. I like, I love the smell. Of, I'm not a big decoration person, mm-hmm. but I love a Christmas tree now because I just love that smell. Me too, but it was, it was killing you. <laughs> it was killing me, and so not to have a Christmas tree, and you know, and uh, yeah, just. People weren't very nice, and, you know, we're here to do this church. And, you know, we had people saying, you're not fit to preach the gospel because, you know, your husband's white and you're black. I mean, just was so much stuff. And I, was, I just was, I hate this time of year, you know. And then the memories of when I was a kid, Christmas was just horrible at my house. My mom would ruin it every year. I mean— it seemed like the day after Thanksgiving, you know, you got to get up all the decorations, all that stuff, but it was never fun. It was never fun. And then by the time Christmas came, it was just, just, can we just get this over with <laughs> and move on with life? It just was horrible. And so when we came here, I would fall, start to fall into to that depression, even as a Christian. I'm like, well, why is it like this? This is supposed to be the joyous, most joyful time. Jesus came down. He saved, my, you know, all those things. And yet I'm depressed. And, and when I'm scared or depressed, then I'm, I'm like mad at everybody. <laughs> I, I'm sure you felt it. <laughs> and it just it exp- would-
2: explains why we had a problem on our anniversaries. As they we're coming up, mm-hmm. you get so. But but that's yeah. another subject. But
3: but yeah, no, that was the enemy just gets a hold of you, and you think, why is it like this? And then I'm I'm like I'm depressed, and I'm mad because I'm depressed. I shouldn't be depressed, so I'm, but I'm mad that I am. You know, <laughs> oh man, it was horrible. And it was just one of those times where the Lord was saying to me, you could you can stop this. You know, you know what it is, and so you don't have to let the, the thoughts and the emotions because it's really not about you Paula it's about Jesus it's about other people and um and we all you know as Christians we know that but how do we stop how do we stop that that train that just you know or like a snowball you know it an avalanche almost it's like the one thought starts and you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah, I can't have a Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, my kids aren't going. They they don't come here for Christmas because they got their own families and stuff now. And we don't go because we no, have— We're the ones that left. Yeah, we're the ones that left. And But, I mean, those thoughts that come, you know, my mom was crummy. That's why I'm having this. You know, I mean, all those things. How do we stop that? It was like one of those times, I, I think in one of your messages, but the Lord had been speaking to me. You can stop this, you know. I was like, what? You can basically kind of take a stick If you you on a bicycle, the spokes. If you put a stick in there, the bike is going to stop. (laughs) The bike is going to stop. And so the Lord was telling me, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so I was trying to do that, but the thoughts and the emotions were coming at such a fast pace that I wasn't keeping up. And so he said, no, 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 when you put the stick in, the bike's going to stop, but you can't the emotions and the thoughts will stop. you got to keep going. Who am I going with? Uh, hello. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we say this every morning, Lord, I take your hand, and I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And it doesn't mean that he's going to make me no longer allergic to the Christmas tree. It's not go- he's not going to bring my kids over here. But I have a responsibility to rightly represent him. I can't isolate myself. I'm so thankful that he made you, who you are, your Pastor Ron. I, I, I got to go to church. I don't have the option. I mean, I could. I could just say, I'm not going today, Pastor Ron, and there's no way you can make me. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Leave me be. I'll be fine. But I'm not going to church today. No, no, no. The Lord says, no, I I, I put you in the exact position you need to be in order to make it easier Define me. Now I'm saved. So it's that's not what he's saying. But Paula, your life belongs to me. It no longer belongs to you. All the things that have happened in your life I didn't cause necessarily, but I've allowed them into your life. I have a, a, a little plaque at my at the house in my office that says, In life you're given a lesson, you're taught a lesson, and then you're given a test. That's it. But, I mean, in school, you're taught a lesson, and then you're given a test. But in life, you're given a test that teaches you a lesson. And so all of these things have happened to me. Okay, Lord, you didn't cause them, you, but you've allowed them. And I know the scripture that says you're working all of those things together for the good of those who love you to those who are called according to your purpose. Okay, I get that. But what? What does that look like? I mean, here's my most, one of my most recent pictures of this. And I was sharing this with you earlier in 2017 when you had the first heart thing. And they don't know why, idiosyncratic or whatever, which means we don't know why this happened to you. Okay, so you are all dressed. You've never missed Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, ever. We're dressed. I was in a suit. Dressed and ready to go and you were looking really good, Pastor Ron, but you stood up and you said, I can't go. I'm like, You can't go. I'm gonna pass out. I'm like but then you tell me you have to still go. I don't wanna go. What if you pass out and I could help you No, you go on and if, go to church. What if you're dead when I come home? Well You that's, actually thought that that's later in my story. Yeah. Yeah, don't go there yet. So I go on we're at the Judson Performing Arts Center. And I'm on stage in front of all of those people. Not one service, two that day too. And I'm got I, I got a solo, I gotta sing, with this thing in my throat and fear just gripping me like my husband's gonna be dead when I get home. And I all the guilt that I would probably feel if you died. You made me go over there. I was going to be mad, Pastor <laughs> You better <laughs> not have died.
2: It's worse because I just don't miss stuff.
3: No, you don't miss stuff. And, so, yeah. uh, that was serious. And so, you know, they, I go on and I'm trying to sing. And I don't want to be a distraction. But it's like I'm barely singing and Pastor out not there. So a lot of people know something's going on. Anyway, I sing the songs and we do the second service. And the Lord met me. But then I have to get in the car and come home. I'm thinking, what am I going to find? You know, Praise the Lord, you are still alive. Okay, so we we have the surgery. 90% of
2: the stuff that you worry about never happens.
3: You said 80, actually. Yeah. And this was in my 20% range, yeah. and I was worried. And so um, then you know they say there's a, a, a defect in the thing. So I'm really mad now. We have a second surgery, and you have prepared us. Me, Pastor Ken, Annette. I don't know who else you called in to different meetings. That this one might be more serious, and it's a possibility you might die. You know, you already made arrangements for where you're gonna have. The, we can have the funeral for enough people to get in there, and and and, and you postponed the surgery. They said, "Do you want it?" This Or you want it a month from now?
2: That was the dumbest decision I've ever made. Oh,
3: man, if I knew what I know, yeah. I would have slapped you. No. Get in there. <laughs> that was horrible. The enemy was relentless. Yes. And so that's what I'm saying to all the people out here. The enemy is relentless. Those thoughts and those emotions will never go away. Because it has worked for so many years, he turns up the heat. Sometimes I bet you it starts in September, not October, in November and December, because he just stirs the pot and getting you ready. He's so always wh- trying to ruin more time. Yes, <laughs> and so this is what I call what I, I call this is break the date with Satan, break it, and you can, because with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can. You can say, nope, I am not going to give in to this. The best thing that happened to me is you said, get to church. Do what what you're called
2: to do. Do what you're called to do. Yeah, you know, Paula, This is uh, people get frustrated with me when I say something like this. Um, You know, our our church's theme is just be with Jesus. Um, The Bible says in his presence is a fullness of joy. And we either believe that or we don't believe it. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to feel discouraged or depressed. But but that's where faith really has to come in. And it's not about how you feel. It's about the promises God has made. And um, uh, two things that everybody has to remember, especially in this seasonal um, time of, of depression, um, the thoughts don't come it shouldn't surprise us. We're told not to think it's strange when we're going through trials of many kinds. I mean, this is a premeditated plan of the enemy. Yep. And because it works every year, he's going to keep doing it. And as you said, he's going to keep piling it on. Yep. And that's when you've got to fight. It is, unfortunately, the time you feel the least like fighting. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality. And this is what always frustrates people when I say it. The reality is that um, just reading your Bible or just going to church or uh, just being with Jesus, all the cliches, none of that's gonna work uh, if you're not prepared to stand and fight. Um, if you're gonna respond to your emotions instead of what God has promised you, then um, you're gonna get beat up. Yeah. That's That the enemy is an expert mm-hmm. at doing it and you're gonna get beat up. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that we, we simply find ourselves closer to the things that depress us than we are to Jesus. Yeah. And uh, it really is that simple to make that transformation. And you hear me say all the time to our church here, Paula, that, that what happened to you in the past need not affect one more minute of one more day for the rest of your life. And when those thoughts come, and as you said, they're going to keep coming, or when you feel like you're being punched by the devil, um, it's one of those times where you've got to tuck in behind Jesus what did Moses say? Lord, show me your glory. Mm-hmm. And Jesus just kind of laughed and said, get way back in the rock. I'll let the afterglow pass by. Mm-hmm. If he's that powerful, then what we got to do is we've got to tuck in really close to Jesus and then really believe the promises he can make. What, what can separate us from the love of God, uh, Romans 8 says. Mm-hmm. And that whole list of things, including demons. Um, that whole list of things, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the question begs, do you really believe that? Mm -hmm. And when we give in to the seasonal depression, we're doing it because our feelings are overriding our faith. What we know to be true has no value for us because we're submitting rather to our feelings and the lies of the enemy than we are to Jesus. And um, um, what Jesus would say is look up. Where can I go and flee from your presence? There's no place that I can go. If I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus is there and he's close Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. But these are opportunities to really build your Mm -hmm. faith. Mm -hmm. But in order for your faith to build, you've got to fight. And too many of us were just not good at fighting. And we allow the thoughts brought by the enemy to consume us. And we end up focusing on what happened in our Childhood, and you and I have had this conversation about your mother for oh, many, many, many years. years. You know, um, your mother was sick mentally, yeah. and um, uh, the the enemy used her. Um, but at some point, you trade those memories for the present day reality of the glorious life that Jesus has given us, yeah. and that's when we can be grateful. We can be grateful even for those things that caused us pain because those are the things that God used to shape us and mold us into the person that we are. And then in your particular case, you know, our kids aren't here and, and, and suddenly there's a hundred people come up <laughs> calling you Mama Paula. And, and God is simply saying, look what I've done. Yeah. What's your passage of scripture?
3: I love, I have a bunch of them, but all no, beautiful but you are. Your favorite one. But, um, single barren woman, that's you one, never bore a child. That's your foundation sounds? for that's a right. long time, single mm-hmm. barren woman. Yeah.
2: And when you start singing, yeah. the joy of the Lord eclipses the pain of the past. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not a, a, as easy as putting on a mm-hmm. worship song that you love. It, it's not that. You've got to run to Jesus mm-hmm. and in faith say, Lord, today. Just today, I choose to believe Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and the promises that you've made. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true for all people all Christians that suffer from depression, and Christians do.
3: Um,
2: I think we have to make that decision every day. We have a man here at church that I've grown to love very, very much, and he, he struggles with depression. And what he does when he gets here to church is he'll first stop. He'll come right up to me and say, Pastor Ron? I made it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And see, he's fighting. Yeah, He's fighting. And we've got to give opportunity for Jesus to prove to us what the Apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yeah. And it's simply a matter of saying, you know what? I'm not going to respond emotionally any longer to that which, is I know, which I know is a lie from the devil. And um, that's how you fight and when you don't feel like fighting you got to do it you
3: got to fight all the harder yeah
2: that time when i couldn't get to the church for the very first time on on easter sunday um that was um a monumental time for me but it never occurred to me that you wouldn't go and um you know you have to do what god's gifted you to do and the, the enemy's whole plan is to keep you from doing what god has called you to do yeah He wins that way, and you get further and further into the depression. Mm -hmm. So it's
3: a matter of, do you really and truly believe what God has said? Yeah. You know, I was thinking, God sets the, the lonely in families, and so that's another one of the things, breaking the date with Satan. Make that date with Jesus even sweeter. He set the lonely in families, and he said he came not to unite the families but to divide families. And that's a really difficult thing, especially for moms, um, to divide the families. Like, what? But then that's a reality as well. And so, uh, you know, we can't change that. Just like you can't make somebody um, love you, like talking about people wanting to get divorced. You can't keep that person from leaving you. Um, but you can turn to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, you know all about this. Now what? But I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get to my church, and I'm going to, you know, if 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 we're in a body, they're not going to let you go through stuff alone. Yeah. And so, you know, God. Paul says this, and he's in prison. How many times did he say, rejoice? I say it again,
2: rejoice. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and he didn't just say that as sort of a, a quick one-step cure to depression. Yeah. It's to fight. Yeah. Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength, yeah, so uh, we don 't have strength when we don 't feel like fighting when we when we 're feeling depressed, uh, when we 've fallen into this cycle of of behavior yeah. um, we 've simply got to stand up and say, "Not going there this year yeah i 'm not going there this year, mm-hmm. and I know people um, uh, I have a pastor friend of mine who uh, you said September earlier, he said every year when September comes around, mm-hmm. he starts getting depressed because he knows the, the Christmas season that he hates is coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just a ball humbug and I just can't get over it. And, and my, my thought was, well, how are you setting an example for the people in your church? And his answer to me is, well, I just can't help it. But we can. We can. We we can. And, I'm
3: only, I'm, and I'm only saying this because for many years, I didn't believe I could get out of it either. But I can feel it coming. It mm-hmm. comes every year, every year, and so I have to fight and say, "Oh no, no, uh-uh, I'm gonna do more." I, I kind of fell into it a little bit last week, and I missed some opportunities. But I don't want to do that again. Yeah, yeah. Because that—that's that, that's what fighting is. Mm-hmm.
2: You—you got to realize that you know Satan's treating you like one of those punching bag clowns. Mm-hmm. You keep coming up, he keeps knocking mm-hmm. you back down. And you got to say, you know what? Jesus, you do the fighting for me. Yeah. I'm going to stay with you. And it is either true or it's not true that in his presence is the fullness of joy. Yeah. Not happiness. Yeah. Not goosebumps. Yeah. Not the memories are gone mm-hmm. of all those things. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that in his presence, I'm focused on him. Yeah. There's nothing else. Moses, again, I repeat, said, show me your glory. I mean Moses at, at at a very low point, Lord show me your glory. Mm-hmm. And he did. If we'll do that, God will show you his glory. Acts 5:32 says God gives the holy spirit to those who obey. Mm-hmm. Uh if you're if you're not being obedient, if you're not trusting the Lord without faith it's impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. So if you're not trusting the Lord um, then your distance between you and the Lord is increasing. And then necessarily, because of the enemy and his schemes, yeah. your closeness, your proximity to him is increasing. You're getting closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've we got to be able to recognize who's pulling the strings right. and get to that point where we say, you know,
3: Lord, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Yeah. You used to give a list, Ron, about this. Um, uh, the the date with Satan. It starts with doubt, doubt that God loves you or that he sees what's happening, um, doubt that he could change situations. Then it starts with fear. You know, we're afraid because things can get worse, you know. And then we have these evil thoughts. And I I know for a fact that some people even, the enemy puts suicidal thoughts in their minds. You know, things are so bad, this world would be better off without me my family is such a mess that you know and the pain is so great that yeah i think that's that's mm -hmm. just as big even
2: Mm -hmm. well at least i'll be out of this pain i'll be with jesus
3: yeah yeah so evil thoughts and then discouragement because you know you're having all of this going on and then those four together leads to the depression and that's these are the devil's tools. Yeah,
2: and I've said often depression, I think, is one of his biggest weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula, we're inside three minutes. Let me say one more thing, and then I'll turn it over to you. Okay. I want everybody listening, because I, I realize this is part of our daily lives and has been a pattern in our lives for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, or I can't because it's not true. And we've got to decide what we believe, and these are the times when we demonstrate faith. And in no situation, Paula, in no situation, um, do we feel like fighting when we're depressed.
0: Yeah.
2: Or sick. hmm In no situation do we feel like we have any strength to do it. But that's why we have to fight in the power of His might, not in in our crummy strength, mm-hmm. because we don't have any. Mm-hmm. And we got to let him do the fighting. Paul, why
3: not you go ahead. Okay. And so, Hebrews ten twenty five: do not forsake the assembling together of the saints this summer in the habit of doing, because when I would fall into that, I'd want to isolate, and that's where the enemy really has. You come to church sad. You come to church depressed, doubtful, and the, the Lord always would meet me. He would always meet me, and I just things would be better because I was being obedient to his calling
2: yeah so let me let me suggest one other thing, Paul, and then get your thoughts on it while we 're getting ready to close here um, The most effective tool for getting out of your own way when you're depressed mm-hmm. is to serve somebody else
3: absolutely
2: and that 's why church is so valuable, yeah. You you come and you serve. You teach kids at school. You, you you're an usher, and you've got to put on a happy face until <laughs> finally you realize you're not faking it anymore. Yes, the power of the spirit has fallen on you. But but that's the constant fight we're in. Mm-hmm. And if we stop fighting for one hour out of 24 hour a twenty four hour day, yeah. that's when the enemy's going to be there because yeah. he prowls around looking for that opportunity. Absolutely,
3: being on the worship team, same thing, Ron. I've come here thinking, you know, what a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite! Look how I'm feeling today. But yeah, I should be not. I should be the last one to be up on the stage. And yet, when you start singing the songs—not that it's a pep rally—but you're in true worship. You're singing songs of who God is, what He has done, and what He will do. You're just not thinking about yourself at all. He's like, yeah. "Thank you, thank you, Lord."
2: And for everybody, until you fight, you never know you can win. Yep. And the Word of God is true. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I want to say Merry Christmas. This is our last date day show before Christmas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And I'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word.
3: Bye-bye. Happy birthday, Jaden.